20-year reunion. I'm Paul C. Fuentes. And I'm David Rausch. Today, yeah, you are. we have an amazing episode for you. Are you ready for this? Yes. Who are we talking yeah. to, Paul? We are talking to Alana. Whew. Yes, we are. Yeah. And here's the thing. Well, first of all, we're really high intensity, so I hope everyone appreciates this. But secondly, I didn't actually know Alana that well. And so this was mm-hmm. a really fun conversation because not only did I find out what her life was like in high school at school, but she does a good job of really telling us about what life was like at home and outside of school, which I think is just fascinating because we didn't typically know what was going on at home for people when we were just in class with them. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. I think it was great. I think this episode was great. Excellent. Do you have any fun banter topics for us today? <laughs> fun banter. Do I have any fun banter topics for us today? Ooh, how about a joke? Do you have a joke for us? I'm trying to think of one. My son just told me a joke. Luke! Luke! What was the joke you told me the other day? What was the joke? What do you mean? The joke. joke? At dinner, you told me a joke. How many people are you telling this joke? No one. Just me and my friend Dave. Come over here, Luke. Luke, come on over. Luke. What's up, Luke? Tell me the joke. I'll tell you the joke, and Great. then you tell him. Great. <laughs> okay. Okay. So there were three nomads. Oh, yeah. This is a good one. Who are going. There are three nomads who are going. Who are going into the desert, and they brought only what they needed and one more thing. So one guy said, I'm going to bring my book of Shakespeare so I can read Shakespeare when we rest. The second guy said, I'm going to bring my harmonica so I can play it when we rest. And then the third guy said, I'm going to bring a car door. And they were like, what? Why are you bringing a car door? And he said, so I can just roll down the window when it gets hot. hey There it is, folks. Well done, There's Luke. a joke. Thank you. No one listens to this podcast, Luke. Don't worry. He's worried about how many people yeah, are going to hear that joke. Don't, don't worry. Yeah. Perfect. We got a joke. We know we're talking to Alana, so we've checked all the boxes for this intro. We can go ahead and run the episode. Let's run it. All right, Alana, how are you? I'm great. I'm excited to be here. I can't believe it's been 20 years. It is pretty crazy. I still feel still feel at least 19. <laughs> that's a good question. We haven't been asking is, is how old do you feel right now? 19. Ooh, okay. That's a great that's... one. 19. <laughs> no, no uh, most days more like probably 40 after the kids run me around like a crazy person. Yes. I feel like I'm I'm simultaneously in kind of the best shape of my life and also the worst in terms of like I could fall apart at any moment with an injury or whatever. I feel like I'm like walking that line of some days you feel great and then the next day you're like, oh, this hurts. Yeah. Awesome. So let's go back to high school. We'll start there. Describe yourself, Alana, in, you know, 1997 to 2001. Who were you? What was your personality, activities? I think back then, personality-wise, I thought I had it all figured out. And I thought I knew everything in high school. And there was nothing more to learn in the world. And that was it. You know, Willowbrook and Villa Park, Illinois, was all there was to know. And that, you know, um, I would say I was definitely... Close-minded. Uh, I thought I was open-minded at that time. I think, but um, yeah, I I loved Willowbrook. I mean, I had a great time in high school. 
Um, I focus most of my energy on sports um, where, you know, I look back, maybe that wasn't exactly where all my energy should have been. Um, You know, knowing what I know now, I wish I would have focused a little more on my academics and taken that a little more seriously. But I was super into um, softball and basketball and pretty much that's what I did. And um, I just did enough, you know, academic wise to get by to play sports and hang out with friends. And, um, you know, it was a good time. I had a lot of fun, but maybe I should have had a little less fun. Maybe. I don't know. Well, <laughs> uh, so did you play, you played basketball and softball all four years? I played softball for two years and then I played basketball all four years. We played all year round. We had a solid team. We traveled, we played in the summers, went to camps together. Um, it was intense. Yeah. At the time, did you think about it as something of like, I'm going to play during high school and that's kind of it? Or did you see this as, you know, you plan to play in college or scholarships or anything like that? I didn't really see it as something that would take me beyond high school. Yeah. I was just really focused on those. What we have, we had 22 games every year. We started on November 1st every year. It's like every year on November 1st, I have this like feeling like it's, that's just like stuck with me because it was always such a big day. Yeah. Like November one was the first day of basketball practice. And I always knew that I was going to like, just die because my conditioning wasn't good and it was (laughs) really hard. And it's just like this day that's just like embedded in my head. Nice. So were most of your friends from from basketball and sports? My girlfriend group came from Jackson Middle School. So like we all still stuck Go together Jaguars. in high school. Yep, exactly. And so those the group of girls didn't end up playing basketball. So I had like a sports group of friends and then I had more of a social group of friends. Friends all over the place. It's perfect. Yeah. Are there any events outside of November 1st, obviously, that kind of stick in your mind. I always loved the first day of school. I love new things. So that was always like just an exciting time. The one thing I'll never forget because sports were super important is the day that uh, me and a group of people all got in a, a pretty good amount of trouble. Um, Here we go. We <laughs> now it's there, there, was a, there was a party. Yeah, there was a party. And uh, people who were not of age were consuming beverages for people oh. over 21. Wow. Yeah. And, and, um, you're talking about the other people at the party, not you, right? The other, yeah. The other people at okay, the party. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, your Villa Park's finest were called to that event and the event got broken up. And, uh, there was a, there was a long <laughs> list of us who got suspended for a third of our season from our sports for being oh, wow. involved event so troy nelson and the rest of the team was not happy with me um i was a starter at that time so uh that event definitely stuck with me and definitely made me realize that uh you know you're not invincible when you're in high school so that was a kind of a good learning lesson senior year getting ready to go out into the regular world what was going through your head when you know the knock at the door the funniest part of the story, I mean, I didn't think it was funny at the time, but sure. <laughs> um, I actually wasn't there when the police showed up. Oh. Um, we had left the party, but then there was like a big shakedown of everyone there and they wanted lists of all the names of people. Really? So I didn't actually know that I was in trouble until the next day. How did you find out? I found out when 
uh, Dean uh, Murphy mm-hmm. called me to the office the next day during school to let me know that I was in trouble. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, it was it was crazy. Well, let's talk a little bit about school. Any classes stick out to you or any teachers? More my coaches. You know, they were always on us to do well and focus. Who was your sophomore coach for basketball? Mr. Wilkins. Mr. Wilkins. Mm. Orv. And he was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. He was great. He was a really great guy. He's probably, you know, really laid the foundation for me trying hard. Um, Him and Troy Nelson were very different coaches. So Mm -hmm. uh, Mr. Wilkins was super positive, always, you know, encouraging us, telling us we could be better. And then, you know, Troy Nelson was the type to like throw a desk at you at halftime. So. (laughs) Okay. Little little yin and yang uh, approach. Sure. Yeah. The one teacher I remember, and I can't remember her name right now, was my Spanish teacher. And I think she probably disliked me most in class because I just never tried. I remember getting kicked out of her class multiple times. (laughs) Well, why do you think you got kicked out? Oh, I definitely got kicked out of class for just like being social and talking. And I remember her yelling at me one time and telling me if I just wanted to talk to friends in class, she wouldn't care if I did it in Spanish. And I was like, well, I can't do that because I never pay attention. So I don't know. (laughs) Busted. That's a great line though from a Spanish teacher. Yeah. But no, I mean, I wasn't like a bad kid. I didn't do anything bad. I just wanted to be social and you yeah. know, hang out and do my own thing. Um, but my own thing wasn't like getting in trouble, doing anything crazy. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So you weren't, you weren't looking for trouble. You were just not that interested in academics and it caught up with you occasionally yeah. when you're being yeah, social and instead. Definitely. For, the, for those friends you hung out with high school, is there anyone that you haven't connected with in a, in a long time? I think the person I probably was closest with in high school that I don't talk to anymore is probably Jamie Karamitsu. Her and I used to hang out all the time sleepovers, walking home from school, going over to her house every day after school. I don't think I've talked to her at all since um, maybe the year after high school or so. Someone who's like, I always think about Ryan Guat. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Gee. Yeah. He was just always a friend, like in all my classes, we always just had classes together. And again, not someone I ever hung out with like socially outside of school, but was like a good like in-school friend. An in-school friend. I I think I was that for a lot of people. They're like, I don't actually want to hang out with you outside of school, but (laughs) if we sit next to each other in class, that's cool. You can talk to me. But I feel so those those friends often have the same last name initial, right? (laughs) Like... The S's in my classes, uh, I would say, yes. like yeah. the beginning, I would start sitting next to them, and that would be, uh, that would be you for Ryan, right? I have both G's. Yeah, we were both like, yeah, both G's. I think we sat next to each other um, in graduation too. There you go. Look at Paul solving the the mystery right there. I do definitely still have some best friends from high school, Nick Wachowski, okay. and mm-hmm. we're still really close. Prom? Did you did you yeah. uh, did you go to prom, Alana? I went to prom senior year. I did not go junior year. Why not junior um, year? I, I felt you were, you know, you were popular. You were cool. Um, I did not go junior year because I had to take the ACT the day after prom. So I know I said I didn't take things seriously. So I chose not to go because I had to take the ACT the next day. Look at you making an adult decision. 
you remember how you did? Were you were you pleased with missing a prom for the for the score you got? No, I did horrible. I did terrible. <laughs> Sorry to laugh. I just <laughs> no, it's fine. Senior prom was really exciting because I hadn't been. So tell us all about who did you go with? I went with who I was dating at the time, which was Charles DiGiacomo. And we went to prom. We had a great time. Went with our group of fr- our regular friends. And then we went to... I, don't, I couldn't even imagine doing this now. We went all the way to New Buffalo, Michigan that night to stay at Kim Bernetti's parents' lake house. Um, and we had a group there and we hung out and bonfire and made a whole weekend of it. So it was really fun. Is there something about you in high school that like something interesting that most people didn't know? I wish I would have been more academically smart in high school. Like I think I always just kind of goofed off because it was just like school felt hard to me. Um, Mm -hmm. But it always definitely bothered me. I think people thought that that was fine. And I just like was a sports person, a social person, but it definitely bothered me. Like, I, I don't know if it was just the, I don't know, didn't have the attention span for it or didn't feel that it was important at the time, but I wish it had been easier. I was going to ask you, well, how many siblings do you have? I have a brother who is just a few years younger. He's 32. And then I've got a sister who is 26. And then I have a sister who is 23. So Hmm. when I was in high school, my youngest sister was born. Like, called my mom from the payphone outside of basketball practice being like, are you having the baby yet? You know, and, um, you know, she answered the landline at phone at home to tell me she was going to the hospital. And then I heard nothing because no one, you know, communicated via cell phones or anything. Yeah, exactly. I got home and there was a baby there. We weren't super close, Alana. But like, that's something I didn't know. But I think that's an interesting thing, right? Like, that we don't know that about like those are simple things that nowadays mm-hmm. you would ask about somebody like, tell me about your family. But like yeah. in high school, you weren't like, yeah, so how many brothers and sisters yeah. do you have? Like you just wouldn't, <laughs> that does not come yeah. up in, in any conversation. Totally. Mm-hmm. We had family dinner every single night together. We always sat down as a, the whole family. And I think that was great, you know, because we had the younger kids and stuff. Like I could have been off running, but we were always expected to be around to be with all the young kids. And um, we did a lot of family stuff. Oh, that's great. All right. Last question I have about high school. When you knew everything and you were graduating (laughs) high school, what were some of your life goals? The day after I graduated, my family moved to California. Wow. And that was a plan. And I thought that I was just going to, you know, finish up school in Chicago, you know, somewhere-ish and just work. I had extended family there and just saw myself living in the suburbs there. Um, We had moved around a lot when I was a kid and I really loved Villa Park. And I was really excited about going to college and getting a four-year degree because I was the first person in my family to do that. So that was exciting. And I, um, yeah, I thought I would just go to school and get a job and live in Villa Park forever. So they moved to California, but but you, but you stayed in Chicago to go. Okay. Yep. Got it. So it's like, Hey, happy graduation. We'll see you later. See you later. You're You're an adult adult now. now. (laughs) Yeah. So you just started the transition. Let's just roll with it. So you graduate, your family leaves you and you you start going to school. Why did you choose DePaul? I wanted to stay somewhere local. I hadn't really had a lot of experience in the city of Chicago. And I knew that it would be easy to kind of keep my suburban life. You know, I was, I didn't want to go away somewhere crazy to like, um, 
know, a big ISU or U of I. I don't know. That just kind of scared me. I liked being somewhere, you know, even though DePaul is huge in the middle of the city, it felt more familiar. So I went there, lived in the dorms. But then I kind of realized that it wasn't like a traditional campus, really. And I did miss some of that stuff, like the kids walking around to house parties or meeting in the quad and, you know, you knowing everyone when you walk into lunch or at least a group of people. So I only did one year at DePaul. And then I transferred to Augustana in the Quad Cities. Went there to follow a guy. Follow a guy from DePaul? Or no. Uh Charles. Okay. Oh. From high school. Oh, so yeah. we still were dating. Yeah. yeah. That's yep. right. We still yeah, we still dated in college and he was there. Kind of a crazy decision, but it really ended up working out amazingly. Like actually the girls that I met up with and the education I got there, I don't know, it's like something flipped a switch when I got there. And Mm -hmm. I really started taking all my academics way more seriously. I spent every night in the library, studied, wrote my notes out, typed my notes out, highlighted my notes, got really good grades, um, played basketball there for a year too. I had a great time there. I really finally just like learned to apply myself and I loved it. I ended up having a double major in psychology and in Spanish. What you can go? believe it? So actually now, went, were, were you chatting yeah. with friends in Spanish by the end of it? I was. I actually studied abroad in Spain. Oh, cool. um, Whoa! Really took, really turned around my academic career for sure. So you said you flipped a switch. Talk a little bit more about like when, or was it a class that flipped it, or? I think it was the general like culture at Augustana. You know, I realized also like I'm paying a ton of money to be here. I just realized you couldn't really screw around as much. I didn't want to, you know, I was in an environment where it was just like uplifting and everyone was doing so well that I was, you know, I didn't want to be the idiot in the class. And I knew I had the potential. I just had to apply myself. You said you'd studied abroad in Spain. What year was that? And was that transformative for you or just a good time or? Both. Yeah. I studied at the Universidad de Salamanca. And uh, lived lived on campus. We went the summer going into my senior year. It was great. I mean, I did learn a lot, but it was more of a cultural thing. Like I just loved it there. Just being in another culture like that. I had only ever gone to like Mexico, Cancun, you know, senior trip type stuff before that. Um, never really got to be a part of a, another culture. It was great. Walked around, ate gelato every day, went to class. Did you travel around Europe at all as well? We did. We went to um, went to Sevilla, went to Granada. We went to Madrid. Took an overnight train to Madrid, which is an interesting thing. You know, like a cool just like New Buffalo, basically. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. All right. So you graduate. Then where do you go from there? I graduate. I come back. I move into an apartment in Villa Park at the old Ovaltine factory, and then started working in the nonprofit field for a family foundation, uh, for my family's family foundation, actually. And um, just started getting experience there. Hold on there. What was the goal of the foundation and what what role did you have in it? So the foundation actually started in like 1999. So I was a little bit involved in it in high school when it was getting going. And the goal was to support education and youth development programs that work with teenagers in the city of Chicago. Okay. And that was started by my great-grandfather. 
from like a success on his wow. business. And he's so, oh, wow. um, and then we joke that he started it just to keep the family together because we are all family <laughs> who was on the board. I was just an intern at first and then it grew into a full-time role. I was kind of just like a grant reviewer, really. Um, we'd review all the grants that came in, um, decide if they fit, fit with our mission or not. Hmm. Okay. I worked at a local bar in Villa Park for a while at nights, <laughs> worked at Caps, if anyone knows okay. where that is. <laughs> yeah. And then I bought a condo in Lombard. So I didn't move too far. Kept working for my family, moved up from just reading grants. I was actually the program officer. So I oversaw um, all the education grants um, that worked with schools, after school programs. We funded some. Um, some college readiness type stuff. So I got to learn a little bit more about that. So did you have any direct connection with some of the students or was it more sort of on the administrative side, helping to make sure the funding got to where it needed? And Yeah, we were more on the funding side, but I did see the benefit. So a couple of years into working for the foundation, I did go back and get my MBA from Concordia University in Chicago. Okay. And I, I got my MBA in, set in business management, you know, but instead of nonprofits, because I knew how nonprofits run, what I didn't understand at the time, because I didn't have a background in business from college or anything, was, you know, how to read a balance sheet, how to understand profit and loss. And when you're looking at these 30, 40, 50 page grant applications, one of the things you're supposed to evaluate is the health of an organization. Is it worth funding this? Do they have the right things set up to do this? Yeah. Did you continue with the foundation after the MBA or then did you move on to something else? When I was in my MBA program, I had a really great teacher and he was like, there's a family foundation that's looking for someone and I think you'd be a great director for them. And I was like, oh, well, I've been with a family foundation forever. I want to kind of go do something more you know, in the nonprofit world, but maybe a little more corporate. And I just kind of kept pushing them off. And I ended up working for Big Brothers Big Sisters in Chicago in their corporate office. Okay. And I was the director of major gifts there and corporate relationships. It was really only like six months into that job. And then the teacher from Concordia had reached out to me and said, they're finally ready to hire. And I was really tired of commuting back and forth. So I ended up interviewing for that job and I, and I did take that job. And so I ended up being a di executive director of a local family foundation then. Very cool. All right. So where are we? Mid-20s at this point? Mid-20s, still living in Lombard. I guess we kind of skipped past some of the personal, but by this point, I'm married when I work there. So I... Okay. <laughs> but yeah, so we skipped, we skipped right. the, some stuff in there. Let's take, well, let's take one step back minor. and just yeah. cover minor. that real quick. Yeah, marriages <laughs> yeah. are totally minor. Don't even worry about it. I was single, living in Lombard, local, just working, hanging out. And Nick and I lived in the same condo building. We bought places down the hall from each other. So <laughs> isn't that the dream of like, Hey, we'll yeah. get all the friends. We'll just move into the yeah. one, one neighborhood or one building. Exactly. We'll be, be close. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure the people like, and we bought like Nick and I both bought those like early in our twenties. So, and we were like, we've got like real people money because we have jobs, but we're kind of living in this dorm, <laughs> right. In this condo. <laughs> and I'm sure people hated us because we would like just run back <laughs> and forth down the hallways to each other's houses. <laughs> But Nick, you know, Nick called me one night. He's like, oh, we're go I'm going over here to a housewarming party. Do you want to come? And so I walked over there and it was, his name is Marson. And I met him. 
So you walk into the housewarming party, you get there. Does he catch your eye right away? Is this uh is this something over time that this romance blossoms? At the time of the housewarming party, he was still dating somebody. Mm. You gotta get rid of her. Got it. Yeah. Sure. Had yeah. to get rid of her somehow. <laughs> we started dating probably six months after that housewarming party or so. And everything did move pretty quickly, just I think because the friends we had in common and already knew a little bit about each other and the background and everything. And um, we dated for 11 months and then we were engaged. So that went pretty quick. And then got married in 2010. Had a big Polish Catholic wedding. My husband's 100% Polish. What does a big Polish Catholic wedding look like? Like, what are the, oh what God. are the, pol- like, if we were in, yeah, if we want to throw a Polish wedding, like, what mm-hmm. do we got to make sure is there? You got to make sure that you have, like, the biggest, gaudiest church you can find. Like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> biggest, gaudiest church. Okay. Um, got it. So That's the first thing. thing. Next. Big, God. Do you, do you, do you Google that? Is that a Google? <laughs> do you Google big, gaudy church? Well, you don't have to okay. because actually we have a priest in the family. We had an, a full mass, like, a, you know, it took like over an hour for the wedding. Yep. And then we had just a huge reception. We had like a big sweet table. We also had a bottle of vodka on every table, which is a traditional Polish. Whoa. Wedding. Yeah. Okay. So, so now my, we're getting there. Yeah. Our groups of friends. That's had just finished. ensuring that the dance floor <laughs> would be full. Yeah. Yeah. The, I remember the groups of friends were finishing their bottles before dinner was served and then trying to like sneak them out and trade them with other tables is what was going on. (laughs) And then at midnight we had a roasted pig, an entire roast pig came out at midnight. Whoa. Yeah. Is that, so the party's just getting going at midnight then. Yeah. Okay. So you're married, you've got your new job and I know at some point you said you don't live around here anymore. So let's uh, start walking through the next chain of events. So um, get married in 2010. And four years later, we have our first child. Then two mm-hmm. years mm-hmm. later, nice. we have another child. And okay. it's pretty much that pregnancy that I'm like, I cannot do Illinois anymore. It is either just way too hot or way too cold. I'm stuck inside mm-hmm. with these two little kids. I've got my sisters in their 20s calling me from the beach in April and it's snowing outside like it can't do it anymore like this it's it's hurting my like soul yeah. right now you know I just got to get out of here it took us about a year and a half to make a full plan to leave i mean cuz our whole lives okay. were embedded there it wasn't oh, easy absolutely. to get up and go yeah. i don't think we told his parents until like 6 months before we were going and your family's out there too. It's not like you're just moving away from family. Like that's really right. hard. Right. But it yeah. felt like we were just moving away from them is the way they took it. Yeah. Absolutely. No, <laughs> and, absolutely. Um, that's so, hard. And we had the only two grandkids. So we were taking them obviously with us, leaving the grandparent. Uh, yeah. Well, you could have, you could have negotiated that. Like we'll leave one of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We could have worked out something. After my husband, and I got married. Um, he switched careers and became a brewer and he decided that he wanted to open up a brewery in Chicago. And so we tried for a while there. We were, we were really close to opening once we were ready to go. And then the person selling us the property had kind of sold it out from under us. 
and our loan mm-hmm. and all of our stuff was very specific on that place. And at that time, that's when I was um, pregnant and the conversation had started. Like, I can't stay in Illinois if we're not going to have this brewery. So we decide to sell everything and we're going to put both the kids in a camper and we're going to drive across the country and, and we're going with no jobs. Like an RV, like a big? Like a trailer. Well, we, we have a trailer, like a travel trailer. Like a stagecoach covered wagon. <laughs> They're heading west. <laughs> yeah. We'll their see fortune. if everyone makes Oregon it. Trail. Oregon yeah, exactly. Trail. Yeah, yeah. That's why we did it. We traveled for like nine weeks until we eventually got to California. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's covered wagon speed. That's, yeah. 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 The story checks out. <laughs> um, but no, we stopped everywhere along the way. We went to breweries. We mountain biked. We camped. We had, we had a great time. Um, the kids were only one and three. So yeah. they were pretty easy. They don't have school commitments or, you know, we're like, when is there another time in our lives where we're going to be able to do this? And so we've been here for three years. And you found jobs? Found jobs. But moving to California too, we said, we still want to do this. Like it's still our dream to have this this brewery, but we need to kind of get him embedded in the industry here so he can kind of see what it's like, you know, before we try to do something and not have done, you know, the market research here. So he becomes a brewer. I got a job uh, a couple months later uh, with the Boys and Girls Club, which is where I'm still at now. And then we started house hunting looking for spots simultaneously where we thought we could open up the space. We weren't really sure. My husband was kind of coming. He had come up to a year of working as the head brewer. And he's like, I didn't come here to be a brewer at someone else's brewery. Like I got to get out of here. Mm-hmm. And I was at an event one night speaking on behalf of the Boys and Girls Club. And I met mm-hmm. this family who I knew was developers in the next town over. So I introduce myself and I tell her what my husband's looking to do. And the business plan had kind of changed where like a brewery has a really, you know, like you had to have a million dollars to do it. It's a high price point to get in. So he decided he was going to do a beer garden instead. Okay. So I, I pitched that to this girl there. I tell her what he's doing. And she's like, well, have him call me. Um, we're looking to put in something like that. And so the next day they talk and it's all all going from there. My husband is actually a month away from opening the place that we had like always been trying to do. Wow, that's great. Nice. What would your 18-year-old self, so Alana graduating from high school, she's looking at you now. What do you think she would think of you? I think she would probably be pretty judgmental <laughs> as I was. Back then. <laughs> I just think I was so honest answer. Like it, like it. <laughs> I was so like, everything has to be a certain way. Like I was very, even like I was very rigid about things. And now with kids and life, I just definitely try to like roll with it a little bit more, be a little more easygoing. But I think myself at that point would, um, you know, if I, if my 18 year old self met myself today, I think she'd think I was like a little bit out of control just because I'm not like so rigid on my planning and how things have to be or set in my ways and definitely more Mm. open and, you know, free flowing. Mm. So I'm thinking back earlier when we were talking, you mentioned some regrets around not trying harder academically in high school. Do you think if you did, life would have been any different or is that just like, oh, I know I could have tried harder and done better? 
you know, everything really worked out well. So I don't really regret any of it. I mean, I do, I guess part of me does like, you know, for learning lessons for my kids or stuff like that, that I kind of messed around and, you know, like I, I don't, like high school isn't the most serious thing in the world. And even if you just kind of do it, but you know, you're a good person and I, I feel like things will work out, right? You don't have to, you don't have to have straight A's in high school to be successful in the long run. High school doesn't make you, you know, you're not an adult. It's not who you're going to be. Yeah. You said earlier, I think you, you begin to, as you grow older, you begin to discover what success looks like, mm -hmm. right. Or what success is, mm -hmm. you know, in high school, you have a certain idea of what success is, but that that's probably a pretty narrow. Yeah. You know, we all had pretty narrow understandings of what the success is. And as we grow older, I think we begin to see success looks a lot of different ways. For sure. So I ask because you're not the first person to say, you know, as we've been having these conversations to have some regret or even you know, at the beginning saying like, I know I didn't give my full attention to academics mm -hmm. and I probably should have. It's a pretty common answer. Mm -hmm. But then just thinking through it of like, okay, well, do you really regret that? Or is it just sort of, I mean, yeah, I feel like because if, if you think about it, if you don't think anything would have changed, then are you saying, I wish I would have had less fun and spent more time studying to get to the same place? Yeah. I mean, I guess you're right. I mean, I don't, yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't, I guess I don't really regret it. I'm not saying yeah. tell this to your kids. No, yeah, don't, yeah. <laughs> you, you don't have to share this episode gonna, with them and say it's okay not to study. Kid, Dave, I'm going to um, stick up for the kids who, who did study okay, hard. Yeah, so, just, because, just because you didn't doesn't mean you need to uh, push this propaganda well, about everything it's, it's turns out the purely, same. purely a question. I think you're going to work hard at some point, right? And like hard work, for for us, it, where we grew up, which is a place in the world that we have many privileges, that our hard work can pay off, right? Mm -hmm. So if you worked hard in high school, I think that opened up some doors, some mm -hmm. opportunities in college. If you didn't, I think I, luckily for us, we still had other opportunities in college or after high school, whenever that is, that if we applied ourselves mm -hmm. and worked hard, those would open up doors. So I think at some for most of us, at some point, we, we have to apply ourselves. Um, I think that application... <laughs> made things easier at different times, if that makes sense. Yeah. But it's not like, it's not a solution, right? If you work hard in high school, your path is not laid out for you. It doesn't it's not a guarantee. Sure. Yeah. Well, thanks for sticking up for the, the kids that study, Paul. <laughs> I appreciate that. I was just testing thanks. a theory there, just, just floating it out. <laughs> uh, all right. Alana, what's something you've discovered that makes you happier? Being more easygoing. Like I said, I was definitely not as easygoing in high school um, as much fun as I like to have, I was very like things had to be done a certain way all the time. And with kids and career and life and moving, just kind of taking things as they come. Love it. I had questions. You've lifted your arm a couple times and I see some artwork, beautiful artwork. When did you get your first tattoo and like... So I actually got my first tattoo in high school. Oh. Because like I've always, I've always loved tattoos. I got my first one in high school when I was out visiting my dad in California. And that was a really horrible tattoo that I like walked into a street shop in Venice Beach and got from like this, you know, what you picture like this big biker looking guy. And it was not a good experience. <laughs> but, uh, and what, what was it? Uh, it was a, butter what did you get? a butterfly. Yeah. 
on uh, okay. my lower left side of my back, of course. And my I knew I had to get it somewhere I could cover it up because I was still in high school, you know, like that. But I was going to be 18. Yeah. It was the summer going into senior year. So I knew. So my, my thing was at that time, if you're 18, your parents could sign a waiver and you could get a tattoo, which is not how you can do it anymore. If you're if you're under eighteen, you're under you, can, 18 you sign yeah. a waiver. Yeah, you or, sign a, parents okay, sign a waiver, yep. but you can't do that anymore. It's illegal. Okay. But um, so I told my parents like either you're going to go with me and like make sure that I do this properly, or I'm going to go by myself in like two months when I turn eighteen. So that was my ploy to get them to take me. <laughs> the ultimatum. Yeah, and that there's an organized know-it-all, Alana. You were talking. Yeah, about. exactly. I had a plan. I got one after college, like one during college, maybe. And then um, I realized, okay, these tattoos are not great. And if I really like tattoos, I need to like research good artists and like save the proper amount of money to get a tattoo that's worth having on your body for the rest of your life. <laughs> so more than $40. So, yes, what you're saying. more than $40 walking off the street. Like you actually have to like make appointments well in advance and, you know, have a plan. But it wasn't until after I got married that I started getting more tattoos. Do you know what your next one is? Not yet. I just got this one. That one's new. But this arm is pretty much fully, totally done. I have both my legs done on the tops of my legs. What was the most painful one? The tattoo on the top of my foot. Like by all those tiny foot bones and stuff like that. That was the worst one. Is there one that you have that is especially meaningful to you? The one I probably have that's especially mean to me is probably the silliest one, which is a chapstick tattoo. All right. What's, what's the story behind the chapstick tattoo? So the chapstick tattoo was, one of, was, I think, the first one I got on my arm. When I was growing up, I, my grandfather, I lived with my grandparents for a while, and my grandpa always had chapstick on him, and he'd always be putting it on me because as a little kid, you always have chap lips, and you're like licking your lips and stuff. And so he'd always be putting it on me. My dad always had a chapstick. And then it was literally just like one of those things that I li- have always had with me, just kind of addicted to for sure. And when my grandfather passed away in 2011, um, I got the chapstick tattoo. That's awesome. Well, this has been fantastic. Thank you for yeah for doing it and hanging out and answering lots of questions as we uh, threw them at you. Of course. Thank you, guys. This is really fun. Yeah. And great catching up. <laughs>